Marcus Marcus controls the power and wealth of a vast military and religious empire. Yet one horrific crime threatens to destroy everything in his world. Addled by drugs and grief, Marcus Marcus begins a trans-dimensional journey that will ultimately force him to confront a dark and devastating truth. Chapter 40 Visions Disturbing and Wretched If Deck looked at me and gave a thin smile, it was as if, having come to the moment of darkest revelation, a weight had been lifted from him. For a moment his face looked as young and quizzical as the first time I saw it all those years ago. When I was exiled and surrounded by the bloodiest and bravest of the Demos guards. But any sense of comfort quickly vanished. As my vizier drew in his breath to speak, the wraiths behind him moved their mouths in a silent, mocking imitation. As I watched those ghostly men, women and children, the numbness in my right arm spread to the top of my back and down to my shoulder blades. Then Ifdek spoke, and with his first words the pain in my chest sharpened intensely. I am sorry to report, Your Excellency, that the swan known as Nameless has died. In the gloom beyond, some of the dead looked confused or agitated, others smiled and leered. Some twisted their limbs and torsos obscenely. One of the glittering angels hid its face behind its pale, beautiful hands. Ifdek rubbed his knuckles against his cheekbones, took another breath. All hints of youthful confidence vanished as the heavy cloud of age and fear darkened his face. From what I have learned, a storm was building up. Your Excellency, and the swans were edgy, but not unusually so. A flash of lightning, though, over the curling mountains, set the birds beating their wings. All have had a wing clipped to stop them flying. But it happens that sometimes a wing heals itself. This seems to be the case with Nameless, Your Excellency. As the thunder and rain came on, the creature took flight, heading for the shelter of the Queen's temple. Ifdek paused again. None of us around the table spoke or moved. Even the wraiths beyond us were motionless. As if all, the living 
and the dead alike, were filled with the sense of fearful anticipation. Yet I, in my supercharged state of understanding, with the pain gouging deeper into my chest, and every cell in my body vibrating with sorrow and terror, I already knew where Ifdeck's words were leading. As your Excellency knows, there is a massive black oak door at the back of the temple. Behind it are the stairs leading to the temple archives. Normally the door is bolted shut, but once a year two young novice augurs are chosen to unlock the door. Open it wide. Place an offering of food inside and invite the spirits of the past to share a meal with them. It is an important ritual for young augurs, Your Excellency. On this occasion, even though a storm blew outside, the ritual began without incident. The spirits were content to remain down in their chambers and the two youngsters began putting the food away. Just as they were about to shut the massive door, Your Excellency, they heard a great smashing and clattering, as if all the offerings in the temple were being thrown about. The boys were terrified, Your Excellency, and fled through the temple, adding to the racket and confusion. In the darkness, they stumbled into something that clawed and bit at them and bit great wings around them. One of the boys died from fright right there. The other managed to make it out to the temple steps. Other augurs, Your Excellency, having heard the bangs and screams were already running up the steps. It took a few moments to work out that no spirits had been involved, that it was Nameless who had stumbled into the temple. 
This realisation only made the augurs more fearful. But Gallius demanded they enter the Queen's temple and recover the swan. Six augurs, led by Gallius, went inside. Each carried a powerful lantern. They saw votive offerings scattered and broken, but could see no sign of the bird, Your Excellency. It was a good twenty minutes before they discovered that the great door at the back of the temple was still open. There were feathers there, Your Excellency, white feathers and black ones. The augurs went down the archive stairs, two of them carrying Gallius. If Dex stopped again, looked directly at me, then closed his eyes. They remained shut as he spoke the final words of his account. Your Excellency, I must report they found nameless in the archive belonging to Your Excellency. The contents of Your Excellency's archive had been thrown around, much of it torn or broken, all of it stained with blood. Blood had been splashed up the walls and was dripping from the ceiling. The swan's body was in the middle of this ruin, Your Excellency. Its severed head was to one side. It seems that in its panic and confusion, the creature had dislodged Your Excellency's sword from the wall where it rested and that the blade had cut cleanly through the bird's neck. Death would have been instantaneous, though the creature's body must have leapt and flapped about headless before collapsing on top of Your Excellency's possessions. If Dick opened his eyes, I closed mine, for the tears rolling down his cheeks stirred an awful rage in me, a vast and violent need to tear the skin from his skull. I took a deep and slow breath, heard a slow wet thud, thud, thudding, knew it to be the sound of the fat round globules of my blood dripping from the chalice onto the table. I heard a slamming noise, and knew it to be the valves of my heart opening and shutting, opening and shutting, sending blood pumping through veins, capillaries, muscles and organs, and out through the ragged wound in my hand. 
and all the time with every pulse the pain in my chest grew sharper and twisted deeper, the agony matched by the growing certainty that all my glib plans for abdicating power had been pointless and pathetic. Nameless had died in my archive by my sword. The only consequence of such a killing would be to embolden every enemy of the sage and house, both within my territory and without, calculating conspirators and lunatics alike. All would compete to see who would have the glory of bringing about the final fall and ruin of the house of Sajin. And I, the last of the Sajin line, would be damned throughout space and time as a vile deicide. As the pain in my chest intensified, a kaleidoscope of visions showing the imminent fall of Sajin splashed across the inside of my eyelids. Much of what I saw remains too disturbing and wretched to write down, but of the lesser horrors I would include tulips caked in black mud that smiled and opened to reveal a nest of maggots writhing within, and a great needle piercing a monstrous beetle with twitching human arms and legs sprouting from under its carapace. However, the image that induced the greatest pain and terror was the simplest and easiest to understand. For I saw the harbour of Stone City, the great granite walls of which had sheltered countless ships and boats for a thousand years. All broken before me, the ruined blocks of stone smeared with green slime and bird shit, and of the clatter, laughter, and shouts of innumerable sailors, dockers, day-trippers, cranes, chains, ropes and trucks, not even an echo remained. The only sound to touch the broken walls, the screeching of distant seagulls. Thanks everybody for listening to the latest chapter of Marcus Marcus and the Hurting Heart. If you enjoyed it, tell your friends, your family and your ancient enemies. I hope the story has helped me all kind of find a wee moment to relax during this strange COVID thing. In Ireland, we're slowly easing the lockdown. The main thing is that I can now go swimming in Galway Bay and I can report it is very cold but fun. I'm going to continue doing live shows, storytelling shows online um, for all the family using folklore from Scotland and Ireland. So if you want to know more about those shows, check out my Facebook page, um, Celtic Tales, Rab Fulton. You'll find all the details there. Alright, stay tuned for the next chapter.